It's Thursday, May 31st, and this is The Daily Dive. After ABC decided to cancel the second season of the Roseanne reboot, many questions still remain, such as what will be the real cost of the loss of the network and who still gets paid. Roseanne Barr also took to Twitter to defend herself, saying it was a stupid joke and that she was ambient tweeting as an excuse for the tweet she made at Valerie Jarrett's expense. My producer Miranda has been following the story and will have more. President Donald Trump also expressed more displeasure over the Russia probe. This time he brought his attorney general into the fray again, saying he wished he had not picked Jeff Sessions to be the attorney general. The president continues to be angry at him for recusing himself in the Russia probe. Mel Leonor, reporter for Politico, joins us for this. Finally, another offensive thing will be removed from the internet, a game called Active Shooter, which lets you play as a shooter in a school setting, killing civilians. It has been pulled after backlash that it was insensitive in light of recent school shootings. Brett Molina with USA Today joins us to discuss why it was pulled and who created the game in the first place. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Kind of bummed out, kind of hitting the wall and I kind of had it. I don't know. I don't understand how anybody who's as smart as Roseanne is can be going, have gone this deep over the line. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda Moreno. Thank you for joining us again, Miranda. Hello, hello. So you've been following this whole story with Roseanne Barr and, and the hurtful racist tweet that she sent out, ABC following through and canceling the second season of the Roseanne reboot. She took back to Twitter. She's fighting back a little bit. What did she have to say in her defense? Her self-defense continued through Wednesday afternoon. She got on Twitter because she wants to insist she's not a racist and that she has been smeared. So I'm just going to tell you a couple of her tweets, if you All don't right. mind. Yeah, lay it on us. She says, I'm not a racist. I never was and I never will be. One stupid joke in a lifetime of fighting for civil rights for all minorities against networks, studios at the expense of my nervous system slash family slash wealth will never be taken from me. In another tweet, I guess she meant this for her supporters because there wasn't too much context, but she said, you guys make me feel like fighting back. I will examine all of my options carefully and get back to you. Yeah, that's the interesting one. And that obviously has to do with a lot of ownership of the show. You know, she's a creator, head writer on the show. She created this, all these characters, her character, obviously. So all that stuff is hers. So who knows? I mean, reading into it, is she going to explore her options on where else she can produce a show, make the show. I mean, I don't know. It seems like all of the actors don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. They categorically denounced everything she had to right. say. So that's just going to be tough right there. Going through her Twitter feed, all she's been doing is, aside from these tweets, is retweeting things of support, still a few conspiracy theory things. <laughs> it's just not helping her. It seems like she's doubling down. President Donald Trump did respond also. with In the kind of Yeah, kind of an interesting tweet. Uh, what did he have to say? He took that opportunity to lambast Bob Iger, who's the head of ABC, and this is what his tweet said. Bob Iger of ABC called Valerie Jarrett to let her know that ABC does not tolerate comments like those made by Roseanne Barr. Gee, he never called President Donald J. Trump to apologize for the horrible statements he made and said about me on ABC. Maybe I just didn't get the call. <laughs> um, you got to love the uh, Very use, Trump. using the third person. I, I like that. The whole reason at the end of it, Roseanne said why she made this mistake. She said she was ambient tweeting. Oscar. Yes. I took ambient for years. <laughs> it does not make you racist. It does not make you tweet things like this. It makes you tweet weird things. Or, or do weird things. Or do weird things or text weird things. But it does not 
turn you into a different person. And that's what the parent company of Ambien, the you know, the makers of Ambien said in in a couple tweets as well. They said it doesn't no side effects that make you racist. Let's move on into some more of the real world consequences of this. A lot of people end up losing jobs. The actors, the, the co-stars obviously don't have a job, but beyond that, writers, production crew members, they no longer are going to have jobs because of this. The Hollywood Reporter did an interview with the executive producer Dave Kaplan and talked about what it was like in the writer's room when they heard the noise. The day that all these tweets started happening was day one of the next season where they were going to start beginning the writing process. So what did they go through that day? Dave Kaplan gave his experience about what he called the first and last day of work for season 11. And he mused about whether the show staff will get paid and if they have heard from Roseanne. Essentially what he says is he showed up after seeing the tweet early in the morning and he said that he already knew that there was a bad sense. He had a really bittersweet, foreboding feeling heading into the studio. And he said that once he got there, everybody just kind of hung around for a couple of hours. They didn't start working. They were just casually talking about the tweet and maybe pitching a few ideas, but all of them kind of knew what right. was no, going to come down. Nobody's in the mood to be funny when you feel the impending doom of something happening like that. He said that he had worked with her on the very first iteration of Roseanne back in the, the 90s saying that she used to be a little bit more of a wild card and that this Roseanne that he had come to experience for season 10 had mellowed and matured and was much more calm and more respectful of her writers. So he said that this kind of did surprise him as far as what happened on Tuesday morning. Right, and he said that they all learned about it from the press. ABC had not sent a representative to tell them to tell the teams. I mean, they were dealing with PR crisis at the moment, but that's how they heard about it. They heard about it over the news. It was one tweet that really set all this off in the end. A horrible tweet, racist undertones. I mean, it should never have been said. But it's such an interesting look into how this one, in in this day and age we're in, in this digital age, this one thing leads to this cancellation of the show. Countless people now are out of work because of Roseanne's stupidity. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Millions of dollars lost on all sides, you know. But it's just such an interesting look into this. I think that's why this story has been so big the past couple of days. It's always a question of money. They say that Roseanne, the show, wasn't necessarily a huge moneymaker for ABC, but it was still a big part of their model. It brought a lot of viewership to the network. This past season, the show took in $45 million in advertising revenue over the last nine episodes. And then season, I guess, 11, I keep wanting to call it season two. Yeah, season the, 11. The upcoming season <laughs> right. that had yet to start was expected to bring in $58 million over 13 episodes. Whatever replaces Roseanne is going to lose about 40% of that revenue because it's not going to be able to bring in the kind of money that Roseanne was. And beyond that, they said it was expensive to make this show. Networks typically pay production studios under $2 million per episode for a new show, a new sitcom. But since this had such a name behind it, they really wanted a hit on their hands. They were paying the production company closer to $3.5 million. So it was very expensive to make. Yeah, and that's due um, to salaries for the right. big name stars. The question is still... Who gets paid in all of this? There's a lot of contracts to be had. What is ABC and their parent company, Disney, responsible for? They're saying that a lot of the cast members might lawyer up to get paid for, I don't know, a few episodes, the entirety of the season. And they all got a pay bump for this next season also. It's still speculation at this point, but they're saying that Sarah Gilbert, Laurie Metcalf, and John Goodman are expected to get paid for the full run of the next season. And they were getting about $250,000 an episode. That got bumped up to $350,000 an episode, where Roseanne was getting $500,000 an episode. And there's no mention of her not getting paid 
for the next season too. So keep that in mind. Roseanne right. may still get her huge paycheck. Well, creator, producer. I mean, she has a lot of credits in all this. Right. Lesser people, like I said, production staff probably have no hopes of making any money. They're just out of a job because the job never materialized. Some of the writers even, depending on what your contract is. Some of the writers have a clause in their contract where they get paid once the episodes are produced, okay? They said that at least one of the writers had a clause where they will get paid for 10 episodes regardless of production. So there may be one writer who all is not lost for. It's just such an interesting look into the business, into the politics of all of this. You know, one stupid tweet has all these consequences. A lot of people are out of jobs now. They're not going to be making money. You know, for a lot of these writers, they even say it could be a matter of losing their houses because the business works a lot on a kind of a freelance basis. You know, you work from project to project. So if you're going to work on Roseanne for 13 episodes, you know, that's months and months and months of work. And at this point in the year, Oscar, all the writing jobs have been filled. So these writers likely turned down other options and now they're going to be out of work. Yeah. So there's more news going to come out of this. Like you said earlier, Roseanne said with all the support she's getting, she's going to explore her options and maybe fight back. And so the story will continue. Thank you, Miranda. Thank you, Oscar. I think what the president is doing is expressing frustration that Attorney General Sessions should have shared these reasons for recusal before he took the job. Joining us now is Mel Leonore. She's a political reporter. Mel, the relationship between President Trump and his Attorney General Jeff Sessions seems to be getting a little more awkward, a little more rockier. The president was responding to some comments made by Representative Trey Gowdy about Jeff Sessions. And then he said in a, in a few tweets, I had wished I had picked somebody else for attorney general. What happened? President Donald Trump has repeatedly berated Attorney General Jeff Sessions over his decision to step back from the Justice Department's investigation into collusion with Russia. Um, and so today's tweet where he said, I wish I hadn't picked him for the job, is probably the most direct he has been about how displeased he is with the man. What is really interesting is where the tweet comes from. He was responding to basically a story that was run in the New York Times uh, yesterday morning that says that the investigation into the potential collusion between Trump's campaign and Russia includes a look into Trump's comments about Sessions, both the things he had told Sessions in private and what we've seen publicly on Twitter and elsewhere. Right. Um, It seems like he feels that the Russia probe would not have gone so out of control in his in his view had Jeff Sessions not recused himself. That's really where the whole argument is. He he really feels he should never have done that because he would have been uh, you know loyal to him. He would have he would have never appointed a special counsel. And that's really where all the problems started for President Trump. That's at least exactly what uh, the lawmaker you mentioned, Rep. Trey Gowdy, said. He said he felt that uh, when Trump picked him for the job, he was fully expecting him to take on, you know, the biggest investigation, uh, according to Gowdy, that the Justice Department is going to be engaged in. He said, you know, if I were Trump, I would be just as frustrated that Sessions can't do a job that he was basically hired to do. Um, And so Trump tweeted those comments by Trey Gowdy, seemingly agreeing with them. And among that was, you know, this uh, idea that he wouldn't have picked him and he wishes he had picked somebody else. So now the relationship between the president and Jeff Sessions has come under scrutiny of Robert Mueller and his and his probe into obstruction of justice. That's right. And that's exactly what the New York Times uh, reported yesterday in the morning. Their story 
details a conversation between Trump and Sessions that allegedly happened in Mar-a-Lago, where Trump asked Sessions to basically undo his recusal from the investigation. Now the question is, does that constitute obstruction of justice? Was Trump asking Sessions to do something uh, that wouldn't have been right? And that is what the general counsel, the special counsel, is now looking into. Yeah, it's a very weird relationship. You know, Jeff Sessions has been one of the most effective cabinet members, especially on immigration and crime, things that were you know essential to the president's campaign. But they have this weird relationship where you know the reports say that uh, President Trump constantly talks crap about him, basically. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, it's been, you know, roughly a year of uh, public and private comments about uh, his displeasement with uh, Sessions, and it doesn't look like that is going to go anywhere. Right. And even the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, said that he's still doing a good job. They have a back and forth relationship. And, you know, he he likes Jeff Sessions because he's doing great on immigration and that he's not going to fire him before the whole probe is over. (laughs) <laughs> which is just a weird, just weird wording coming out of the administration, out of the lawyer, uh, Rudy Giuliani. You know, it's a wonder how, how much confidence Jeff Sessions has there in the job and, and, you know, staying there. Yeah. And, you know, Rudy Giuliani also said today that he understands that the president is frustrated, but that he isn't sure what he would have done if he was Sessions. He isn't sure that he wouldn't, he would have not recused himself. And so I think that there are a lot of different perspectives on that issue. Right. And on the part of Jeff Sessions, he said he was just following the counsel from lawyers in the Justice Department that he should recuse himself in. And that's why he did. Important to note that he does maintain that nothing improper happened. Right. So. All right. Mel Leonore, political reporter, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Oscar. They said that essentially the developer and the publisher of the game were tied to this one person, that he was a troll and that he had had a pre- basically he had a previous history of, of bad activity on Steam, including customer abuse, publishing copyrighted material and manipulating user reviews. Joining us now is Brett Molina. He's a producer for USA Today's tech section. He writes a lot about video games as well. There's never a shortage of horrible things being published online. Uh, We saw this with Roseanne and companies taking swift action to remedy those things. There was also another story about this video game. It was called Active Shooter, and it was going to be released by the Valve Corporation on their Steam platform. Uh, We'll get into that in just a minute just to kind of explain what that is. But what is this Active Shooter game? Basically, it was a shooter where... The developers had described it as a dynamic SWAT simulator, and basically the way it worked was you could either play one of two sides. You could play the member of a SWAT team who was trying to go into a location. From the looks of the videos, it was a school, and they had to disarm a shooter, or you were the shooter themselves. There was like a little box on the left of the screen where it kept track of how many police officers were killed, how many civilians were killed. There was even a brief scene where it looked like the player was the shooter and you saw people kind of running away and the shooters kind of firing shots as they run off. But that's kind of breakdown of the game. It was supposed to launch on June 6th, but obviously with Valve stepping in, it's, that's no longer happening. Right. And it caused a lot of outrage. Obviously, we just had a pair of shootings not too long ago at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland and then Santa Fe High School in Texas. So it was very insensitive. People, lawmakers, parents, survivors of these shootings were all outraged that something like this was going to be published. 
briefly, what is the Valve Corporation and what is this Steam, their Steam marketplace for those that might not uh, know? They're a video game uh, developer. They had a reputation for a long time developing their own games, and they still do that a little bit, but they're more known for Steam, which is this video game marketplace where players can go and buy games. It's often used by players on PCs or Macs, and they have a program where any developer can go in and create a game and put it on Steam. There are guidelines that they have to follow in order to keep their game on Steam. In the case of Active Shooter, Valve didn't really say specifically why, but clearly with all the controversy around it, 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 it's understandable. But they do have rules in place where developers have to follow certain rules about the type of things you can publish on Steam in order to keep your game on. There's a lot of people outside of the gaming culture that really might not be familiar with this. So there was a lot of outrage, a lot of confusion. People were saying, how could somebody make this type of game and who would be publishing this? But Valve and Steam, they have this platform where a lot of people can put up a lot of these indie games and things like that. They pulled the game. It's not going to come out anymore. But now we found out who actually was kind of responsible for it. And Valve was calling the person who was trying to publish it a troll. Yeah, it was it was interesting. They came out with a statement and they said that essentially the developer and the publisher of the game were tied to this one person, that he was a troll and that he had had a pre basically he had a previous history of of bad activity on Steam, including customer abuse, publishing copyrighted material, and manipulating user reviews. It was something they said they found out as they investigated the game. Once the controversy started to build up, they looked more into his background and found out this information. And so that's where this is coming from. And they ended up linking it to a couple of, uh, it seems like Russian, one of them might be 21 years old and another one similar age. It's one of these guys is Ada Berdyev. And he had already been previously banned from posting stuff on this, on Valve and, and Steam, the Steam Marketplace. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, PC Mag uh, said they had talked to the actual developer of the game, Anton Makarevsky, I believe. I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But basically, he said he was the one developing the game, and he used Berdyev's account to basically keep any, any money that he earned from the game would go into Berdyev's account. And so that's why Berdyev is claiming that's why Valve is looking at him because it's his account, and that's how this is all working out. I haven't been able to independently verify that. It is an interesting turn for this story if that's if this is how this turned out. But either way, Steam has said that they are going to, I think, give another look at their guidelines as far as what games they allow on the service. And I think in light of all this, it seems like they're, they're going to start looking more closely at how they vet these games. Yeah, the uh, supposed developer, Makarevsky, the 21-year-old guy, he's has a history of making other weird games, Tide Pod Challenge, something called White Power Pure Voltage which seems to be kind of a Stranger Things ripoff, not necessarily anything to do with white supremacy or anything like that. But they both pointed to there's all sorts of other games on the platform. Uh, you know, Counter-Strike was one that they pointed to where you can play as the heroes or you can play as a terrorist. And just a bunch of other games that have a lot of content that really straddles the line of, of going overboard. And they're saying, you know, we didn't really mean anything. The creator himself said he's like, I'm not a psychopath. Uh, I don't follow the U.S. news, so I don't know about these shootings and stuff, but it still seems pretty hard to imagine that you know these things are going to cause some type of outrage. I think a lot of it is, it's true, we have a lot of shooters and they're focused on things like terrorism. It's very much in a fictional setting, and I, th I think what really struck home with a lot of people with active shooters, specifically parents of victims of these school shootings, is it just seemed a little too, a little too close to home and a little too 
real world, you know, of, of an experience. And I think a lot of them saw that as it was almost glorifying what was happening. And whether the intent was there or not to do that, it, it really doesn't matter. It's just, I mean, you think of the timing in light of the shootings in Parkland and in Santa Fe. I think that's why a lot of people are so very upset by it. It just seems like the timing of all this is very inappropriate. It hits way too close to home in terms of, it, it almost kind of just looks like a simulator in some form. It just seems like I think that's why a lot of people are just so upset and angry about it. How much do these games go for? You know, they vary. Um, you know, obviously the bigger AAA games go for around $60, but on Steam, they can go for a few dollars here and there. It really all depends on the developer themselves, the kind of game they put out there and, and, and what they're willing to, to charge. But it, it just, it varies really. It, you know, people pay anywhere from a few dollars, $10 to upwards of 40 or 50 and for now, it seems like it's gone. But as you mentioned, uh, according to that PC Mag article, the developer Makarevsky seems a little defiant now after all of the uproar has happened. And he says he's considering to maybe offer it as a free download. Uh, where does that get hosted at that point? I think it's something where he can post it up on his own website or, or post it on a website and, and allow people to download it on their own without having to go through Steam. Obviously, having Steam as, you know, having a credible platform like Steam helps, and especially with awareness and things like that. But yeah, it's going to be something he has to do independently if he wants to, if, if he's trying to get this game out there. All right. Well, at least they've uh, pulled it for now and we'll see how this story keeps developing. Brett Molina, producer for USA Today's tech section. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. We love all the feedback, so don't forget to leave us a comment and give us a rating. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive. <laughs>